This week, we welcome another one of the longest of longtime friends, Shannon McNall, of course. I've spoken to Liana, and I've spoken to Kevin Bynan. I met Liana before I met Shannon. I met KB the same day I met Shannon, kindergarten, Miss Thorne's class, five years old. Shannon, you are my best girlfriend. You are the number two overall friend behind Ben Simpson, of course. I I don't think you can find any uh, complaint against that. But at any point, I was thinking about this earlier, at any point in my life, I don't think anyone else has topped you in my best girlfriend rankings. Even though I've been closer with other girls in given moments throughout my life, I will always say that you are the number one overall because we have, you know, we grew up down the street from each other. So many memories, you know, I I consider myself a part of the McNall family in some ways, go to your house for the holidays every year. Sadly, it won't be happening this year, but uh, I love you. I love the McNall family. I still consider you, you know, a day one best friend. So thank you for joining. Of course, of course. My mom's actually really upset about Christmas Eve this year. She's like, I'll still get to see Troy, right? I'm like, we'll find a time for Troy to come over. Like just when like Graham isn't here, when yeah. lower risk, but she was very upset about that. For sure. We got to take our annual uh, photo in front of the Christmas tree. So looking forward to that. Your mom makes some of the best Buffalo chicken dip. Maybe the best I've ever had. I- I've been racking my brain the past few days. Who makes a better Buffalo chicken dip? I haven't found one. So Carol's Buffalo chicken dip for anyone listening, you should make a request great chick dip do you know whose recipe that is no i don't whose is it it's madison stanley's mom's recipe is it she uses yeah. that mrs stanley used to make it whenever like we went to madison's and i think like i'd been like telling my mom how good it was and one day my mom asked mrs stanley for the recipe but yeah that's where the buffalo chicken dip originally comes from man my ninth grade girlfriend should never have let her go right You're, you really missed out <laughs> So Shannon, I was thinking about things that I want to talk to you about. There's a bazillion things. We have such a a huge past and we spent so much time, you know, at your house on, uh, you know, trumping on the trampoline, being in the basement, playing weird games, uh, you know, on snow days, hanging out in the backyard, building snow. It's not a weird game. (laughs) Look, great game. Walks by the Mohawk, bike rides, hanging out at country driving, watching Nicholas Sparks movies on Friday and Saturday nights, me going to your uh, sporting events, you coming to mine. Uh, You got your wisdom teeth out and I hung out with you and took care of you while you recovered from that. There's been such a a shared history there for, um, you know, for which I am forever grateful. But what I'm curious about what I want to ask you is 10 years ago, if I would have told you, so we would have been, you know, 14, 15 years old playing dance, dance in your basement if I would have told you that in 2020, well, let's forget the pandemic ever happened, that in 2020, you would be living in New York City with your boyfriend named John, attending New York City Medical College, doing, you know, you're currently in rotations right now. If I would have told you that, that at age 15, that in 10 years, that's what your life was going to look like, what would you have said to that? I mean... Like a lot of that's always like, you know, that's a lot of it's always been the plan. Like there was not like I've always planned on medical school. There was no point that I like wavered from that plan. Um, Like I feel like the kind of the details I may have not, I would have been like, oh, interesting. So that's how this is going to work out. But I don't think it would be a huge shock. Like I would be happy like, oh, that's great. I got where I wanted to be. Um, But I feel like the fact like this has always been my plan. Like I actually found one of those um, pamphlets we had to make in health class in like eighth grade with like goals. And mine literally was like, I will go to Duke for college then go to medical school. So like part of that was wrong, but it was like, it's always the plan hasn't really changed much as time has gone on. When did you know that you want to get into this field? Honestly, don't I've like gotten asked that a lot like over the past like year or two and I don't remember exactly when I knew like I don't remember but I also don't remember not wanting to be a doctor if that makes any sense I remember as early as seventh grade yeah and and, and I remember what didn't I write some letter about you or, or something yeah, for Miss Blades, yeah. yeah what happened what did I do I don't even remember. We had to write about like someone in our life and you wrote about me. And oh yeah. No, I wrote about you. I think, we were, I think we were reading the Odyssey. 
and yeah. you had to write about a hero, like write about yeah, a hero that you know. And I think I wrote about you as my hero. Oh, that was so nice. <laughs> you still. I wrote, who I wrote about. Now, where exactly are? Because I, I do, Although you've always wanted to be in this field, I think your exact role within the field has changed since you've wanted to do it. I think early on when I was calling you my hero, you wanted to be a cardiac surgeon. Where are you at now? I don't know. I, so that's what the point for like anyone who doesn't quite like know the like setup of med school, the point of like your third year is that you like rotate in all these different fields. And then you ultimately decide what type of medicine you want to apply to residency into. And then like ultimately after residency, like become a like full functioning doctor in. And so right now I'm doing rotations, trying to make that decision. And I'm having an easier job ruling things out than I am ruling things in, if that makes any sense. Like I haven't had this like moment where I'm like, oh my God, I need to do this specific type of medicine for the rest of my life or like nothing will be worth it. Um, but I also like being a third year medical student on rotations is such a strange experience. Cause like we're at the bottom of the totem pole and like, we don't really know what's going on a lot of the times. Um, and like your experience like varies drastically depending on which attendings you're actually working with and which residents you're working with. Um, so it's also like, I just don't see, and like also we're at the hospital for like this last rotation I was on, there were weeks I was there like 60 to 70 hours a week and then had to come home and study for a test that like determines our grade in the rotation. So like life isn't really great on rotation. So I just don't, can't imagine being like, oh, like this has been the most amazing experience of my life. I need to do this type of medicine. I feel like it's more of like, I've enjoyed this. I could, I would consider this field or like there were parts of this I enjoyed like, let's keep this in the running. But there have definitely been some where I'm like, absolutely not. I don't want to have to do this again. Like, um, so I'm still working on a final decision. I need to know by like July. So I got some time. When you say 60, 70 hour weeks and then studying for tests afterwards, you know, the immediate thought that comes to my mind is burnout. Do you ever, are you ever going through the grind and think to yourself, is this all worth it? Thankfully, I don't think I've hit the point where it's like, is this all worth it yet? But like, especially this most recent rotation I've been on, this most recent one I did was internal medicine. And that started with like two weeks in outpatient, which is just like a primary care physician's office. Um, and then the last four weeks was in the hospital. And that's when I was hitting 60 to 70 hour weeks. Um, and like by the end of it, I, I was feeling very, like I really needed a break. And I think, I also had just come off six weeks of my surgery rotation, which is also very long hours and like a very difficult test that you're studying for. Like I'd had a lot of required rotations in a row and had just been going nonstop since July. Um, so I definitely, it was one of those things like as this rotation was coming to a close and we were getting closer and closer to the holiday break, I kept thinking like, I get how, I get why burnout is such a prominent thing in like among physicians. And like, it's a system that like, isn't, necessarily the best and has a lot of like areas for improvement, like medical education as a whole, there's a lot of room for improvement and like that would hopefully decrease burnout, but like burnout is a very real thing in like all professions, but especially in the medical field, like physicians have like a significantly higher rate of suicide than the general population. It's like all kind of links back to like this burnout and how prominent it is. So with, with Ben last week and with you this week, you guys are both kind of on journeys where it's still a significant number of years before you get to, honestly, the, the beginning of, of your careers. Does that ever, do you ever get discouraged by that fact that you're still so far away from even really starting? It's definitely something I think about. And like, it's crazy to see, like, I feel like we're still young enough that like, it's not, it's not like I'm watching all of my friends, like buying houses and having babies and all this stuff yet. Like that is going to happen. And I'm still going to be in training. I'll just be like, really? Um, but it is, I don't know if it's like, I wouldn't say I'd get discouraged by it yet, but it is something I think about a lot. And I feel like I especially think about it when like, there's people in my class at med school who like had completely different careers before even starting med school. So like they had a, like, they could have started like eight, 10 years after graduating college. And I'll like, 
when I see them and like, it's so great, they figured out what they want to do and now they're doing it. And I think that's super impressive. And I think those people are like some of the most interesting people I've met at med school and like learning about their stories and what brought them into a completely different career path. But it also kind of makes me grateful that like, yes, this is a long road, but I did start early. So like, I still am not going to be too, too old by the time I am starting my career. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. Um, my, my last question for you on your kind of career trajectory here. I think with all of our careers, what drives us, you know, to do what we do is there has to be some some sort of fulfillment. You need to have some type of purpose. So I know for me in my career, you know, as a podcast producer, I love personally bringing something, you know, bringing an escape to people, because I know in my life that like, whenever I'm dealing with things, and I just don't want to think about whatever bad thing is happening, I can turn on a podcast, you know, from my favorite host, or just something that's just totally distracts me from my life. And that brings me a sense of, of comfort and and escape. So that's what is kind of at the forefront of my mind every time I'm putting together a podcast, because I know someone else is listening to it. So I'm curious for you, what is it that drives you in this career? I think it really just kind of like gets down to the fact that like no matter what type of doctor you're seeing, like when someone is having any sort of medical issue, be it the most like minor thing to like something very severe, it's a very stress inducing thing. And like no one enjoys going to the doctor's office. No one enjoys going to the hospital. And I think just being able to like make that experience a little easier on the patient and like the big thing with doctors, like you can have, there's a lot of great doctors out there. There's a lot of doctors with great bedside manner who also are like just good doctors as a whole. But like, you also see the doctors who it's like, oh, they're super smart. I trust them with my life. Oh, but just a warning, their bedside manner sucks. Like you're not going to like the person, but like it's worth it because they're so good. And I don't think that should have to be a trade-off. And I think having, being in that situation can make an already stressful situation much more difficult on a person. Um, and I hope that I'm a doctor that like makes people feel comfortable as well as having the knowledge to be able to help whatever is ailing them at the moment. Um, so I think that's really a part for me, like trying to make a very difficult experience a little easier on someone. Uh, I, I, I've had a couple of people on like Liana and Lindsay, they're also in the medical fields and I failed to ask them this. So I want to ask you, I think in a bunch of industries right now, we've all kind of learned the pandemic has kind of changed a bunch of things about the way that we do business, the way that we go about things, the way that we approach things. I'm curious, is your industry, because obviously, you know, the coronavirus is a medical issue at its heart. How do you think your industry is going to change as a result of all this once the pandemic is over? I actually was talking to a... Um doctor at Westchester Med recently, who was saying he did his training during the AIDS epidemic. And he said, it was crazy how like he started residency and like, you weren't necessarily wearing gloves whenever you were drawing blood on someone. And like, just all these little things that we don't even think twice about, like, yeah, you're going to put on gloves before you stick someone with a needle. Like that wasn't a thing before the AIDS epidemic. And he was saying how he's curious to see, like, after this, like, however long down the road everyone's vaccinated coronavirus is a story from 2020 not a thing that's actively going on anymore are people just going to be wearing masks in a hospital like is every single doctor going to have a mask on at all times like why not like it could help decrease the spread of things like so I think just like at that point changes in PPE and like how protected people are I also really hope it brings or at least starts like discussions about some changes in like medical education, like specifically the residency side of medical education, not necessarily the med school side. Um, Cause there were a lot of like stories you saw about like residents who were late twenties, early thirties, like perfectly healthy people. And like they got COVID and there were some of them unfortunately died. And there was a lot of talk about like the residents aren't getting the PPE that they need. Meanwhile, they're on the front lines and like, residency like you're making a lot of money and or no you're making very little money and working a lot like you're working your butt off it's still technically part of your training but a lot of them were really like thrown right into it with COVID and like doing everything they can without being protected the way that they should have and it had some like catastrophic effects 
And there was, I don't remember exactly which hospital that this was at, but there was a story of a resident who like spoke up about like, we're not getting, we're not being protected. Like this isn't okay. This isn't safe. And there was a lot of backlash from the hospital. And so I'm hoping that that also just like the way that like medical residents are valued more and protected more and just like treated like people. Cause that unfortunately is not always the case. Even just now there was an issue at Stanford, how there was like the marketing exec or the CEO or someone like on the business side of the hospital who has been working from home since March got the COVID vaccine before their residents were vaccinated. Their residents who were actively working like in the hospital being doctors. And there was like protests and like, it was a problem. Just the fact that that even happened in the first place, so. So you went to college at Boston College and you now are at New York City Medical College. You don't live in New York City. You live in Terrytown, which is, you know, New York City adjacent. It, it's easy to get into the city from there. So you've lived in two, essentially lived in two major American cities. Which do you like more? I feel like I've always liked Boston better than New York City. I But I don't think I can have... I don't think I could like confidently say I like living in Boston versus living in New York City because like technically I never lived in either like BC was like a very wealthy suburb of Boston. I never actually lived in the city like I went into the city a lot. Um, and even now like I feel like I like Terrytown Westchester is like it is very different than New York City like it's nice to have the access to the city. Um, but I definitely don't utilize New York City as much as I utilize Boston in college just because of like time right now. Yeah and COVID. Um, so I don't know. I have found places like I feel like coming into med school, like without having ever lived this close to the city, when I thought New York City, I just thought like Midtown. Right. And like where Garin Central is. And when you get all out of the train station and it's like crazy and there's people everywhere. But I've kind of explored a little, like found some other areas of the city that I wouldn't have necessarily seen before. Like, um, and I think those are areas that like a lot of like younger people will like live in more often, like a lot of like different neighborhoods in Brooklyn and stuff like that. And I've walked around thinking like, oh, I could see myself living here. So as of right now, I've always liked Boston better, but I don't feel like I can speak to which I'd rather, which I enjoy living in more. I remember talking to you a couple years ago and you said <clears throat> that's kind of a bucket list item for you to live in every pocket of the country, every region. Is that still something that you would like to do? I don't know. There's some reasons of the country right now that I have no interest in going to see. Um, probably, I think I'd be happy sticking with the Northeast for a while. I really like the Northeast. Yeah, it's that when you first said that to me, I was like, you know what, that's that's a good idea. I, I kind of would like to do that, too. But I, I have two bucket lists in my life. I have, OK, this is the bucket list that is realistic that I really want to accomplish. Then there's this other bucket list that's like, OK, I would like to get to it. But if I don't you know, I'm not going to look back on my life at age 80 and be like, man, I wish I'd done that. That's kind of where living in every region of the country is. I love the Northeast. I think mm -hmm. I will venture out of the Northeast at some point, but I look at the South and I'm sorry to my listeners in the Southern part of the country, but I just don't really have any interest in living in Georgia or Florida, yeah. um, you know, or California, really, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with all that. So you also, this is one of my favorite things that you did in college you spent some time in Spain living with a host family yeah uh, can you remind me what, when exactly that was why you were there and just how that experience was overall it was the summer between sophomore and junior year of college it was for six weeks and it was like one of the summer study abroad programs that were offered so like I did the Hispanic studies minor so it was one of the courses that was required for the minor that I actually took in Barcelona with a BC professor who like, she's originally from Barcelona. So she, and she spends the summers in Barcelona with her family. So she offers, like she teaches this course in Barcelona while she's there anyway. Um, so it was kind of cool that like, this is a professor I would have taken the course with at BC. Um, and so it was just, I did want a study abroad experience. It's really difficult to fill out, like if you're, with my plan to go to med school straight, like graduate in May of 2018, start med school in fall of 2018, you need to have all of your requirements done pretty much by the end of junior year so that they're done in order in time to apply for things. 
So it's really hard to get all those requirements in and take a semester abroad, especially considering like typically the semester abroad people take is like one of the semesters junior year. Right. And like, even if you were to try to push it till fall of senior year, like that's usually when med school interviews are happening. So you can't really be out of the country. So it was kind of my way to be able to go still stay on the track of like going straight through from undergrad to med school, but also get a study abroad experience. Um, and it was great. Like I loved my host mom. I was lucky enough to get to do it with Shauna. So she was staying with like a host family as well. Um, and we like the number we said all the time, like we were so happy that like we did it with each other too, because like six weeks, isn't that long. Like it sounds much longer than it felt. So like, we're like, we didn't have to worry, like when you have a full semester and like, you, you want to make friends, you want to meet people, but you have time to like meet people, like make plans with people, get close with people and like figure out all the things you guys want to do while you're there. But like, we only have six weeks. Like we don't have time to like get close enough with, get close with people, find trips and like, we did end up doing things with the people that were also in our program, but we knew like there were some things we had planned before we even got there. Cause we knew we'd like at the very least have each other to do it with. And like, grin, like you can do things alone too. Like that would have been definitely been an option, but it was nice to have Shauna. We both, we discovered that we travel well together. So that was good. Um, we have like similar interests and also like there were times we like, where we were able to read when we knew like, okay, maybe I'm not like, super set on doing this thing here, but like you can tell it's important to the other person. Like we compromise well with things like that too. Um, but yeah, it was great. I thought living with the host family, like I literally was in an apartment, like right in the middle of Barcelona and I'd walk to class every day. And we were like right outside one of the Metro stations. And my host mom was actually a psychology professor at university of Barcelona. And like, right when I got there, it was like day two or three, she actually asked me if I could edit something for her because they were trying to submit a paper to like a big name journal. And, but they needed a copy of the abstract. They need one submitted in Spanish and also one submitted in English. She's like, would you mind taking a look at the one in English and make sure it makes sense? Like, so it was just really cool. I like got very close with my host mom. I'm still in touch with her sometimes. And like when um, Shauna and I did our Europe trip after we graduated, um, we stopped in Barcelona for two or three days and we both stayed with our respected host families again. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience. The hardest thing about traveling internationally or, or just to any place really that you're unfamiliar with is that you're often there for a short amount of time and there's so mm -hmm. many things to do and you try to do so many things that you end up spending such little time doing them that you're really not experiencing everything that the city has to offer, which is why I'm curious. I remember you and Shauna, and I think it was on that Euro trip. You guys, I remember you proclaiming that you did London in 24 hours. What was, what was that 24 hours like for you? So I like totally forgot about that. So like that even, we weren't even supposed to go to London. Like that was a total like last minute thing. Cause we figured we're only there six weeks. We only went to like we did most of our traveling. We did like Barcelona and then we did like a lot of like day trips, like took the train to different parts of like, um, like that area of Spain. But then we're like, okay, we're going to do one trip. Like while we're there, like go to a different country. And there was one weekend right in the middle of our program that we had no class on Friday. So we had three days. And then we also both had booked our flights out. So we were staying there, I think two or three days after our classes actually ended. But so we we're planning on going to Rome, the like weekend in the middle of our program that we had a long weekend. We get to the airport, like we're all like, we're all packed. We have our flights, we get to the airport. Both of our host moms had packed us sandwiches for the trip. Like we were so ready, we're checked in. We're sitting like in the airport, in the general area of like where we think are, we're gonna be boarding. It hadn't like, it was getting close to the flight and there was still no information about where we were boarding, but we're like, oh, what? like not thinking anything of it just sitting there drinking coffee. And all of a sudden I glance up at the screen and every flight to Italy just had canceled. I'm like, all right, like maybe that's some a mistake. I don't know. And pretty much we figured out that the Italian air traffic controllers all went on strike. So there was no, no flights to Italy happening. So we're like, okay, like that was our plan for the weekend, but We'll, we'll redeem it. And then we went and we were thinking like, maybe we'll take a train and go to Madrid for the weekend. Cause that's like decently far from Barcelona. And so we're at like, we had, there was like a train station like connected to the airport. 
And the freaking train tickets to Madrid cost more than our flights to Rome would have. So we're like, no, we're not, no, this is ridiculous. And so we ended up, I think we had gotten the money, like the flight, the money for the flights we had gotten back, but like nothing else we got back, which kind of sucked. But so after that, we left the airport and we're like, okay, like we're still going to go on one trip. It's just not going to be this weekend. We left the airport and we're like, let's, we'll walk around the city. Like we'll do some shopping. Like we haven't really like, we're going to have like things that we're going to want to bring home to family and everything. We'll do some shopping. The second we get outside and we have our like bags too with us, it just starts downpouring. (laughs) Like this is very appropriate for how today is going. But so ultimately that day ended. And then that night we're like, okay, we'll book a trip for that last weekend. And we're like, at that point we were scarred. So we're not going to try to go to Italy again. Like we don't trust Italy. (laughs) And I don't even remember what had us like made us decide to do London. But like, like I said, we were, our program ended. We had our like final exam and then we were flying home two days later. So we're like, okay, we have two days. Let's get a trip. Like, I think the time of the flights, it did end up that we were in London for like, we got in like late, like at night, then had the whole next day with an early morning flight the day after that. So like we got in, we got dinner, we found our hostel. Like, okay, I think the best way to go about this is we need like a very detailed game plan for tomorrow to be able to get everything done. And it literally started with us waking up, like the crack of dawn. We went over to um, the Harry Potter, like the King's station. Like, yep. like we want to like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we want to see that and get a picture, but we had seen it when we had gotten into London, we saw that there was like crowds of people waiting to see that. So like, okay, we're going to go there right away. Like that's not something that like closes. So we're going to get there really early in the morning. We did that. We were at the London Eye, like the second the tickets started going on sale. So we do the London Eye because that was another thing, like very long lines. Um, We went, we did the Tate Museum. We did, I think there was another museum we did. Like, obviously we didn't do it well. Like we only had so much time. Um, There's a few other, we were literally going all day. And it was like funny because we'll joke about that day. Like that night we had like, by the time we got back to our hostel, it was like we were walking back and it was like pretty late. And we walked by this like small like, grocery store next to our hostel. And Sean was like, oh, like, let's go in and like get a snack or something. And we went in and we all we came out with was like several bottles of just like barefoot wine. And like we're in London, we're buying barefoot, but whatever. <laughs> um, several bottles of barefoot wine and chocolate. And then like that night, we literally just like sat on the floor of our hostel and we're drinking barefoot wine out of like the coffee mugs that came the hostel and like drank a bunch of wine and we're just like they like got so late and we're like one how are we still awake we just had probably the busiest day we're ever gonna have in our life and also like this is our last night in Europe this is what we're doing we think we just don't have like the brain space to do anything other than sit on the floor and drink cheap wine yep that sounds so reminiscent of many of my travels uh just drinking cheap three euro wine out of coffee mugs in the hostel the people yep. coming into your room that you're sharing the room with are like, who are these Americans? Look at what they're doing. This is why we get such a bad reputation abroad. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're adding to the bad reputation. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to your dogs, Stella and Cooper, barking in the background. They love me, always have. Um, so you mentioned Shauna. She's one of your friends from BC. Great girl, one of the nicest girls in the world. Um, some of your other best friends in the world are also some of mine. Taylor Hennigan, Liana Petty. I love the trio that you guys have. You guys are great friendships. I think you you are all each other's day ones. You will all be in each other's weddings. Liana's is, you know, the first shoe to fall there. But um, your friendship, the, the three of you, is very special. And you guys have maintained that all this time. So what what is the key to the three of you having such a strong friendship? think like with the three of us we've never been like the friendship that's like constantly like in constant contact like constant like 40 message a day group message like we've never been those friends like we'll go so I mean usually it's not that long and I feel like ever since Liana's been engaged it's like we're in contact more and more because there's always like there's wedding stuff to talk about or just like I mean especially with like COVID like there was a lot of changes to like be discussing and I feel like almost even when not wedding stuff that actually just like the whole process of Liana getting engaged kind of got us just like in touch about anything more often um 
but yeah, I think that's part of like when we are like when we are talking, like there's never like I don't think twice if I like don't hear from them for a while. But like when we talk, it's like we've been in talking every single day for the past like three years. Um and even just like with getting together too, like especially when we were in college, we weren't always home at the same time or like home for short periods of time. And then like, I wouldn't be home for summers. And then like Taylor would have clinicals and that would like make her schedule a little different. So like, it wasn't even like, we always were able to like get together whenever like we had some sort of break, but then when we do get a chance to do that, it's like nothing changed. So I think that's really like, we know that that friendship's there even when it's not like active. Yeah. You've been the most talked about person on this podcast. So it's fun. It's, I know because Taylor brought you up. Liana brought you up. Other people brought you up. Some revelations from those conversations I, I had with them. I had no idea that you inspired Taylor to become an occupational therapist and that you predicted to Liana that she and Sam, her fiance, would break up uh, before ultimately getting back together to spend the rest of their lives together. So, you okay, know, that I, I've, often, <laughs> I've often not, not listened to you in my life and maybe I should more. I've been saying that since we were about like 13 years old. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I remember cause Taylor, I don't know if you remember this, Taylor always wanted to be an architect. Yes. Always. Like for so long, that was like what she wanted to do. And I don't even remember why, but we were like in high school, like close to applying to college time, like maybe even right around the time we're applying to college. And she was like, something had happened and she's and she had like decided like i don't want to do i'm not going to be an architect like I dad talked her out of it what uh, her dad talked her out of it being you know an interior designer or architect okay yeah and i remember i was remember in high school i in order to avoid having to do like my art or music core i took fax classes <laughs> yes remember like i was like one of the only people who continued taking fax like every year until senior year um and one of those classes I had taken was like, I don't even remember what it was called. It was a weird class. It was in, like, it was clearly a useful class, but it was like super random. And they talked about different professions at one point and they like went through occupational therapy. I feel like it was one of like the child, like I had taken like child psych was one of them. Yeah. I think it fell in that kind of category of classes. It wasn't child psych, but um, and they talked about occupational therapy and like, I don't think I'd even realized like, what exactly an occupational therapist does and like what populations they like are often working with. And Taylor had always like all growing up, like she always said that she loved old people. Like she was just always like very big. Worked at Coburg Village where everyone yeah, worked. Yeah, she worked at Coburg. She used to like talk about the residents there and like she loved the residents there. And then she had always like had a passion for working with kids with disabilities. And so I come out of like one of those classes and it was like, Taylor was like having a freak out about like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, Taylor, have you ever thought about occupational therapy? I feel like the main populations occupational therapists work with are like two populations that like you really enjoy working with. And I guess that was, got her to look into it. And here she is now being a occupational therapist out in Boston, doing her thing. Even though none of us like to admit it, you generally uh, know what's best for all of us. So yeah. Thank you. Well, Liana and um, Sam thing was totally my mom's fault. She like, <laughs> you know, my mom, like someone could be dating, like, and not anyone, but a lot of people, they could be dating for like two weeks and she'll be like, oh my God, they're going to get married. I'm like, chill mom. I don't even know if like they know each other's middle names, like give it some time. And so she, her and Graham were on the like, Liana and Sam are going to get married train for so like very early. And like at the beginning, I'm just like, like Sam seems great. But like, this is new. Like also Liana, like what? Liana was a freshman in college when they started like chill mom. Yeah. Let us live. And so then like, as time went on and it actually was like a more feasible thing for them to say, but like at that point, Liana was still in college. I think that's when I'm like, yeah, like I could see it, but I think they're going to like have a break at some point. And I think it was more of a like, okay, Carol, like <laughs> you've been saying this for three years now. Like, but yeah. Uh, I want to ask something about Carol uh, shortly, but really quick. So you mentioned, you know, facts classes and just exploring <clears throat> a bunch of different things. And it's, it's kind of what you do in high school is they introduce you to a bunch of different things. Now, as we established at the beginning, you kind of always knew that you wanted to be in the medical field. But have you ever thought about what you would be doing if you weren't in the medical field? Like, what would your alternate career path be? Do you know? I remember someone like telling me once before I was like applying how like you need to have a backup plan 
like if you're planning on being a doctor, you need to have a backup plan, but you can't let anyone know you have a backup plan. And so I remember that like sitting around, like really thinking about that. I'm like, what could my backup plan be? And at one point I was thinking like pharmacists cause like still in like the math science um, side of things. Like I think, and actually like pharmacology is one of my favorite classes I took in the first two years of med school. Like I really like learning about like the exact mechanisms that the different drugs work for. So like may, it seems like that would have been a solid backup plan, but I remember, and this is such a stupid reason, but like the thing that turned me off from that was like, when I was thinking pharmacist, I was thinking like the pharmacy my family always went to was like in Target or like, there's a lot of like a lot of pharmacies are like in grocery stores and I hate the grocery store. And I'm like, I wouldn't hate the grocery really store. Have, I've gotten better at it. I like always, they're always cold. I hate the like light. I feel like the lights are always super bright. And then like they reflect off the like really white, like shiny floors, like the lighting in grocery stores always bugged me. I just like, don't like grocery shopping as a whole. Um, I've gotten better with this since over the past, like year or so I started shopping at Trader Joe's and I've been like super obsessed with Trader Joe's ever since. So now I don't hate grocery shopping, but at the time I was like, I wouldn't want to have to go to a grocery store to get to my job every day. Cause then I'd have to go to a grocery store every day. And I know that's like such a stupid reason. And also like all pharmacies aren't in grocery stores. Um, but that was my hesitancy for my backup plan. My other backup plan I ever came up with was like a college admissions person. Cause I always thought that I like worked in admissions, like at BC, I was a tour guide. And I always thought that would just be like a fun job, but was kind of more of a, like, if I was doing something completely unrelated to math science, I think this could be a fun thing to do. Remember the time me and you went grocery shopping at market 32 and I just got a bunch of frozen dinners and the cashier gave you the dirtiest look. She's like, Oh, why don't you cook for him? Yeah, I remember that. I was pissed. <laughs> yes, we've been mistaken. I think, I, I think my response was he can cook for himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you've always put me in my place. Uh, yeah, we've been mistaken many, many times. I think, you know, I remember hearing back as early as like fifth grade that me and you were going to get married. I mean, that hasn't happened. Uh, I think we still, I don't know, do we still have a pact? I think we made a pact, you know, if we were like 35, maybe 35 was the age that neither of us are married. So Hopefully that's still the uh, still the plan because yeah that'd be cool. But uh, I've <laughs> always yawned about that one, Troy. I know, but I've always said that man, I don't know if I can marry Shannon. She's allergic to nuts, and I love peanut butter. Yeah, that was actually something, and not too too long ago, John and I were having that conversation because he was like, I don't think I even realized that he like liked peanut butter that much because he just doesn't eat it because I'm around. He's like, no, like that's actually like that is like a downside of dating you I just don't yeah. get to peanut butter he's like and I do like peanut butter a lot and like he keeps trying all the like like the almond butter that I'll eat or like the sunflower nut butter it's like it's just not as good and it's stupid expensive <laughs> yeah well I'm a fiend for peanut butter um so I'm sorry I think I would choose peanut butter over you as much as I love you uh so you, me- you mentioned you mentioned Carol great woman Walton Carol your mom and dad are my you know another great pair of Clifton Park parents I'm wondering, you know, just growing up in that household with them, what do you think are the biggest influences that they've had on you or better yet? um, Like what traits do you have of your mom and of your dad? I feel like anyone who spends any amount of time with like me and my mom, like those traits are just like obvious. (laughs) Like I, everyone says like the more was it, I think, I can't even remember who it was. It was, must've been either Courtney or Jessica had like come home with me for a holiday in college and they're like yeah the more time I spent with your mom like you made more sense I'm like yeah um I feel like my mom and I have very similar personalities um as a whole I think the things just I get from my mom and I are also both dramatic she is more dramatic than I am and I'll argue that Graham's more dramatic than the both of us I think it just gets lower like each generation we're getting a little less dramatic but like it's still pretty dramatic um but I think for my dad, I get the like, like my dad's like has like a lot of like very like typical like accountant personality type personality traits. Like he's big like list maker and like likes numbers and like just likes to have like tangible like this is how this is like this is gonna have this effect. Like I'm gonna do this, this, and this, like checking things off. And I think I get those things from my dad because I am a big like I'm very task oriented, like like to like check things off a list, like get things accomplished in like a logical manner. Um, 
So yeah, I think I got a good combo of the both of them. Yeah, you are the, I think I've said this for as long as I've known you and it's still true to this day. You're the hardest working woman I know. I mean, you are, you just have such a great work ethic. You are relentless. You know, you have a bunch of things on your list and you get them done. So what, what do you attribute that work ethic to? I don't know. Like, I think both my, both my parents are hard workers and they always have been, but I think from like, like growing up, they were very like, with regards to like getting things done, like work, school things, they were kind of hands off. Like they knew when they needed, like they knew when they needed to dive in. But overall, I think it was more of a, like, we're trusting that you know what you need to get done and you're going to get it done. And I, so I think it was just like a combination of watching them both be such hard workers and have good work ethics, like witnessing that my whole life. And then also knowing that like, okay, wow, like they trust me enough that they think I'm able, like, I must have some of whatever they have and they trust that I'm going to be able to get my stuff done. Um, So I honestly think the fact that they were hands off on that things, almost that like aspect of things almost motivated me to develop this strong work ethic. Like I wanted to kind of show them like, yeah, you're right. Like this is like, you can trust me to get this stuff done. You've always been self-motivated. I don't think you ever really needed, uh, you know, a push to get things done. I mean, you were always in the best classes. You were always, I don't think you needed to push applying for colleges or for scholarships or for anything that you do now. So uh, they've raised an awesome young woman. You know, you have a, you have an older brother as well, Ryan. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity here to talk about one of your idols, Taylor Swift. She's been very active in 2020. So active. Two albums, Folklore and most recently Evermore. Mm -hmm. So as you've been pretty much following her, her entire career, She's gone through a bunch of different iterations. Which version of Taylor Swift do you like the most? So originally I was upset when she was kind of straying from country. Like I really like the album Fearless. I think that's like one of her greatest albums. Like I love the like original like country pop Taylor Swift. And then, so she started to stray from that. And there were like songs here and there that I still liked. And kind of, I'm trying to think what the first album was that was kind of like a combo. Um, Like 1989, I feel like was the first one that was more pop than country. But I still like, there was a lot of stuff on that that I liked and that was like a fun album. I also feel like the fact that was like freshman year of college, like a lot of stuff that we were like hearing, like playing at parties and like getting excited about. But then after that, the album, was it Revenge? I feel like that doesn't sound right. Reputation, yes. I'm like, I knew it's an R word. I didn't like that one. Like there was like maybe one or two songs I liked on that. I was really disappointed with that one. And I was like, okay, maybe I don't like this like pop Taylor Swift, but then Lover, I think like, I I like pretty much every song in that album. I love that album. And that's still like in the more pop, like, but now she's kind of going onto like a different, like kind of a more like- Indie. Yeah, like indie pop. And I like that a lot. And I've liked her album that she just put out. I liked a lot, Evermore. Um, and the one before that I was like mixed signals about cause I'd been expecting something similar to Lover and it wasn't. But I feel like the more I've listened to Evermore, it's gotten me to go back to um, folklore. And like, I've liked that more now that I'm listening to it again. I feel like I'm getting like Lana vibes from her right now in these past two albums. Yeah, I think there's a lot of polarization around Taylor Swift. A lot of people don't like, you know, some of the things that her songs are about. They don't like that she's jumped genres because a lot of people, you know, a lot of country fans especially are like diehard country. And if they see you go into any other areas, they forget you and turn on you. But I think I have tremendous respect for Taylor Swift. I remember last year I was watching, maybe it was like the American Music Awards and she won Artist of the Decade. And my initial reaction was, wow, that's shocking. Taylor Swift, Artist of the Decade. But then when I really thought about it, I was like, wait, who's done more than Taylor Swift in the last decade? I mean, Drake's done a lot, but not as much as Taylor Swift. Kanye's done a lot, but not as much as Taylor Swift. So I have great respect for her as an artist. And I think, you know, I'm not going to shun her for, you know, going away from country. I think that shows incredible versatility as an artist that she is able to do pop, to do indie, to do country, and that she can do all of those things. And she can dance on stage and she can perform and she, you know, she can do good music videos and she's a really good person. I, and I love that documentary that that's on Netflix with her um, because it really let 
us into a lot of things that she goes through. And I said this on the podcast last week with Ben that, um, you know, fame and fortune and all eyeballs on you at all the time does a lot of things to you and, and messes with you. And it's hard, no matter how much we say that we all want that. I'm not sure how much we all really want that. And I thought, right. you know, Taylor Swift is, you know, kind of a, a poster child for the highs and lows of fame. Yeah. And also being honest about the high, like, I feel like a lot of the lows of fame, we just don't see because it's like the people who are experiencing it, they like, don't want that side of them. Like, it's like, they want to be known as like the highs of fame and like, so they're just not honest about like the downsides of it. And I feel like Taylor Swift, just like, especially in the documentary, very vulnerable about the like negative impacts the fame has had on her and like the hard times that she's had and how she's dealt with it. And I feel like that's also like right now, like one of those like domino effects of COVID is like mental health problems are rising everywhere for good reason. Um, and I think seeing people in the spotlight being honest about um, their own battles with mental health, with mental illness is important. And I think it will make people kind of realize like, hey, even like this person I've idolized since I was 12 years old, who like seems to have it all, doesn't have it all. And like, this is a real, this is a normal thing. Like this isn't something to like feel shame about or be embarrassed about, like this is real and I'm not going through it alone. So I think that's been a really important thing that like she's also been able to do aside from her music. Speaking of mental health, you know, bad times right now you work and study a lot so I'm curious when you're off or just taking some time for yourself what do you do um so before COVID I like my like friends at school and I like we really were very intentional like oh we have a test on Friday like let's go get drinks after like let's go out to dinner after like make it a point to plan things around our schedule and like um it also like a lot of my friends at school also have significant others that like a lot of them also live with them and like move to Westchester to be with them. So like, don't necessarily like know a bunch of people there. So like, it's kind of been like, there's two couples that like John and I will hang out with a lot and like who both like live with their boyfriends and it's kind of like helpful for them too. Cause we're like, we're sorry that your lives are so, like being scheduled around our test schedules. Um, so let's make it a point to like do fun things when we don't like when we do have times off. So definitely that. And like John's brother and sister-in-law lived in the city and now like live in Jersey, which like still pretty close. So like we try to like, we'll do game nights with them and stuff, um, which like they're really fun to hang out with. And I enjoy hanging out with them and just trying to make the most of the time off. Um, and then like, depending on what rotation I'm on, like this past one I came off of was brutal. So like there really wasn't much free time, but before that, there were some with like better schedules and trying to make it a point to like find nights that I know I'm going to get out a little early and like make it a point to like actually like cook something nice that night that I can like eat throughout the week or like, okay, I'm going to make sure to like, I know like Friday, I don't have to worry about getting up early the next day. So I'll make it a point to like work out that night or like I lucky I got out early on Tuesday. I'm going to like exercise here, like just trying to make the most of the time I have. And like, I'm very big on like scheduled study breaks. Cause I know my brain doesn't mm -hmm. function like, I can't sit down all day doing nothing but studying. I need to like very strategically like, oh, I know I need to grocery shop today. Like I'll study for two hours and go to the store. It'll be a study break and like come back, study for a couple hours and I'll go for a run. Like kind of like strategically place in those like self-care items um, and use them as study breaks too. I'll get you out if you're on this. So Shannon, we live in a very divisive time. A lot of people have uh, differing opinions on things. One side blames the other. No one wants to listen to to another. They name call and what that and and, uh, and whatnot. And you have maybe one of the most controversial opinions out there that I'm not sure anyone agrees with. So I want to play a little game of defend your take here. I have no idea what opinion you're about to throw at me. You love Crocs. <laughs> yeah why do you love crocs they're comfortable they're waterproof they're versatile they come in all different colors you can get gibbets and decorate them um aside from like the typical like the crocs that you think of like i actually recently got a new pair of crocs oh because, my goodness okay because i needed a comfortable like waterproof pair of shoes to wear in the or during my surgery rotation and they make like that like specific like work crocs that are like for like medical professionals or like people like work in restaurants, they need like slip proof, like waterproof shoes. Like they have so many different brands of Crocs than I realize or types of Crocs than I even realized. And I just don't, I see there's no reason to hate Crocs. 
<laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for joining me today. You are killing it. I'm so proud of you. I mean, you've got big things in your future. I've always known that. Um, you have a great family. You have great friends, great boyfriend, great home. Uh, you're killing it. So thank you for joining me. Happy holidays to you and your family. And uh, I hope to see you soon for some buffalo chicken dip. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Troy. Stay happy and healthy. Wear masks. Get a COVID vaccine when it's offered. Um, yeah, I'm sure I will see you sometime this week. So that's this week's podcast with one of my best friends in the world. I know I always delineate, you know, this is my best overall friend. This is my best girlfriend. This is my best Connecticut friend. That's what I've been doing over the past few weeks. Best Connecticut friend, Kelsey. Best girlfriend, Shannon McNall, who I just spoke to. Best guy friend, overall number one in the world, Ben Simpson. Just wanted to do that this holiday season, catch up with all my best friends, figure that's the best way to end what has been a trying year. But I just wanted to talk to the people that I'm closest to that I consider, um, you know, I, I keep a very close circle. So these are the people that are in my innermost circle who know the ins and outs of my life and, and my mind more so than anyone else. So thank you to Shannon. Great girl. I am so excited to see what she does in her future. I mean, I, there's so much to respect there because she has had her eyes set on a goal for as long as I've known her. And she has been singularly driven toward it. She's the most driven woman I've ever met. She's the hardest working girl that I've ever known. And she will always continue to be that way. And there's so many memories. We talked about some of them. Um, I'm missing that I won't be able to go over to her place for Christmas Eve this year to hang out with Walt and Carol and Graham and the entire family eating some buffalo chicken dip uh, and some of those amazing cheesecake bites that they make. Um, but such is life this year. Wishing everyone a happy holidays. I'm so grateful for everyone who has listened to the show, who has reached out to me, who has come on to the show. Thank you to all my friends that have come on. And um, thank you to my roommate in Connecticut, Amanda, for letting me use her closet. Her walk-in closet is what I use as my little recording studio. It's really good for sound quality. So that's what I do. So thank you to everyone who has made this show possible, who has offered words of support, who has come on and uh, only getting started here. So really looking forward to seeing what 2021 has to offer for us. But I will have another episode or two coming uh, before the end of the year. So on the next episode with a friend, I'm going to talk a lot about, um, you know, moving forward in 2021 and being positive and spreading good vibes. It's, um, it's what we're all about here. So, Troy Farkas Show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify, there's also a way to jerry-rig it so that you can just get notifications when an episode is available. You can also get that uh, on Apple as well. But the best way to support the show is to subscribe or to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, because that, you know, that really helps, and that'll, that'll help other people um, listen to it. So... Thanks for all the support, and uh, I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever holiday it is that you celebrate. I hope you have a great time with your family, that you are safe, that you are healthy, and uh, talk to you soon.